I'm looking back at what you've made of yourself. It's the light that reaches in. It was great catching up with Brian, kind of reminiscing about days gone by. Then I uh, really I enjoyed walking around Seattle, seeing how they're living there. Went out to get a bite to eat in a couple places. All the food was awesome. Went down near the water. Actually had uh, New England clam chowder or clam chowder, Seattle clam chowder, I guess, in a bread basket that was unbelievable. And uh, enjoyed that thoroughly. And then uh, headed down to Portland and tell you, Portland's a little banged up at the moment between the protests. I think it was only maybe a week or so ago that they sort of uh, disbanded this area where everyone was basically camping out and protesting slash rioting and the, the whole area, like uh, more than three quarters of every block is boarded up. Now they're starting to open, but they're open with boarded up windows and there's usually someone standing outside letting you in. I don't know, Portland's got a bit of a way to go. I was gonna take my first hike Ever. <laughs> I felt like I got so much out of Seattle that I just wanted to kind of chill. Went online, looked at what's going on, and found that there's this thing called the Witch's House. And I think it also goes by the name Stone House, maybe. And I drove to this park, and then you basically park on the road. There's a little, little parking spot. And I put on my backpack and I started this trail. Hut, hut, hike! The lower Makahi Trail, I think it was, it would take you to the witch's house. I set out and then I, uh, I started FaceTiming Grandma. And so she took the hike with me, so to speak, which was cool. And uh, came upon this little photo shoot with this girl dressed up in very bright colors amongst the witch's house ruins, which also have graffiti, which are surrounded by trees and woods, which makes for such a cool little, I don't know, cool little experience. I would actually highly suggest taking that hike if you get a moment. I just thought I'd share a moment that I had when I was walking around Portland earlier. As I walk around and you kind of feel like you're in the aftermath of everything that you'd heard had gone on and people had been camped out and the riots and with everything boarded up, it's, it's like a war zone. As I was standing there literally in the rubble, Across the street, there's like this mural, and it's huge, probably a good six feet high, runs a, a good half block, and it's like a, just this big white wall. And on the wall, they've painted all the faces of the various people that have been killed pretty much over the last year by either bad cops or, or bad people. And one of the faces uh, was this kid uh, Elijah McCray and you know I never I hadn't heard about his story and googled that and saw 
how that whole thing went down and, and led to his death. And I tell you, it, it's just, I, I don't know, it's baffling how he ended up dead. And so on the, on the arrest of the wall, it was Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, Amadou Aubrey. As I'm looking at this, all I could think of is, I know people, actually I have friends that look just like these people. Not that this is a revelation, but it really kind of hit me. Like, if it wasn't for the fact that they were black, they wouldn't be dead. That's a pretty tough thing to kind of get your mind around. And I mean, I grew up predominantly in a white life, right? And I went to grammar school, high school, and college. Majority of my classmates were white. All my friends, my inner circle were white. And it really wasn't until I got to the marquee where I got to experience, really, the United Nations uh, of, of the workforce. Over the years, I got to understand various cultures, got to appreciate them, not to mention all the, 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 the new and exotic foods that I've tasted over the years. I would say the opportunity to work day in and day out with people that have grown up differently, have different points of view. For me, it was like, a, like an education I, I got by osmosis. <laughs> and in a very short time, I, I, I saw the beauty of all of us working together. And kudos to Marriott because the morals that the company holds definitely align with my feeling that really you treat people with respect and you get respect back pretty simple formula and over my career I, I've watched <laughs> so many hard-working men and women who emigrated here work their asses off and to see the pride of providing a better life for their children and to have opportunities they didn't have that's what America is all about we don't have to look any further to go back to grandma and grandpa coming over from Ireland coming through Ellis Island to start their American dream uh, in the Bronx and eventually get to Queens. And they struggled, even knowing the language, but talking it funny with their brogue. They, they had their obstacles. I, I look to those future cultures that came over after, and it's actually what makes America great. I think uh, on this journey, uh, just having the time to not be running to and from places and really getting to sort of feel what I'm experiencing is truly priceless. All right, I've said enough. I'll talk to you later. Ciao. Yesterday, I drove from Portland to uh, Redding, California. So left Oregon. I don't know if whether you say it, Oregon or Oregon, 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 I want to call it. Uh, so I left Oregon and now I am in California officially. Well, I should say I landed in Redding, California. I stayed the night there. Uh, that was about a, was a good seven hour ride yesterday. But as I think I've told you, I'm okay with it. Uh, you know, between my music, my podcasts beautiful sights it's to me it is just so 
so refreshing and so uh, so peaceful, I guess. Oh, by the way, I also met up with uh, Grandma's friend, Evie's son, Chris, Chris and Terry. They were very nice. Uh, we chit-chatted and had pizza at a place, and that was cool. Plus, Grandma was, uh, she was driving me a little crazy, making sure that I didn't miss Chris. And now, today, I am leaving Reading, and I am heading towards Sonoma. And in Sonoma, I will find Evie, her self in the flesh. Still, still on the first leg of the journey. I wake up sort of when my eyes open, which is sometimes around eight o'clock, and try to get on the road by lunchtime, the latest, unless I got something to see in the town. Not talking to a whole lot of people, except for like servers in restaurants or clerks at hotels. This is a COVID journey. Yeah, so off to Evie's and then to, uh, just outside San Fran and then on onward to LA. And then honestly, right now, I, I gotta start planning my journey back because after LA, I have zero reservations made. I have, I kind of know the states I'm gonna hit because I'm gonna go LA to Arizona, Arizona to Utah, Utah over to Colorado, Colorado down to New Mexico and then start heading back east from there. I'm pretty psyched. Life is good. And love you guys. Mucho. All right. Well, here I am. Yeah, last we spoke, I was uh, heading to San Francisco and I ended up driving there and got there at nighttime. So it was kind of cool coming in over the, uh, I guess it's like the San Francisco Bridge and the place is lit up and um, got to my hotel, got settled in. I met up with a couple friends from Marist, uh, these two women, Kathleen and Lori, and then her brother was there and another friend. So we had a bite to eat and drink out in Walnut Creek, which is actually a very nice area. I would certainly suggest you, you check it out. <laughs> and just remember in the college days, like you guys are actually not experiencing these days, always good laughs. And at one point our conversation went to our mutual friend who... Um, also went to Marist and made me think back. <laughs> Another story here. So you remember Lucas, right? And he, uh, I'm going to say it was like yeah, like 2007-ish. And he was working at this place uh, called Koi, which is just like opposite Bryan Park. At that time, Fashion Week was held in Bryan Park, inside the tents. He connected me with a contact over there, and I was actually able to go see uh, various shows over the years. It was like a 20-minute concert. It had the lights, it had the music, obviously the models and all that. It was just like an intense 20 minutes. One day, after one of the shows, as I was leaving, I, I run into another Marist alumni by the name of J.R. I see him, I'm like, hey, how you doing? He's like, good. And I remember back in the Marist days, he was totally into the, the fashion world. So wasn't too crazy that I would see him there, but nonetheless, it was cool. He's married to Lori Dijon, and I asked him where he was, and she said, oh, he's wor she's working, and I said, oh, cool, cool. She's like, but she'll be, she'll be down in a minute or something, and I was a little confused. I later realized that LDJ Productions, <laughs> Lori Dijon Productions, basically ran the whole fashion week. 
Lori was, she was like a Calvin Klein exec once upon a time, and then moved into running things over there, and then basically took over the book, yada, yada. Fast forward, here I am, I guess this would have been, gosh, uh, a good 10 years after we had graduated, and she was, she was making moves. She started a, a foundation where she's like doing good things in Africa called the Paper Fig Foundation. God bless her. She's, uh, she's awesome. So anyway, she comes out. You get to see her, say hello, yada, yada, and basically go on our way. It was at that time I was... I was at the marquee. I had been back maybe uh, a year or so, and I was working conventions. You know, I started to think, like, I can run events, and maybe my skills would transfer into the world of fashion somewhat, somehow. I don't know. I reached out to Lori, and I, like, I'm going to say this is probably, like, early 08 by now. And oh, meanwhile, uh, on the home front, and I'm not sure if you guys realize this, but when we moved from street over to the new house on we basically didn't sell the first house before we bought the other one and of course that's when the the economic implosion happened due to subprime mortgages to which we fit the bill and we ended up holding on to for like a year while having the other one and that pretty much bled us dry crazy times so maybe even in the back of my head i was like if i could just you know hustle a little more money or whatever it is and just keep paying the bills anyway so i reached out to Lori and i i inquired you know whether like was she in need of any part-time volunteers not only is Lori like the coolest cat in town but certainly one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. And she basically offered me a, a gig during Fashion Week with LDJ Productions and put me on the books, which was phenomenal. And I can still remember meeting her in the tent because there would be like a, like a, I don't know, like a three, five day loading. And they literally would build these tents from the ground up. And so um, I met her inside the tent while just starting to come together. And at the time, I remember I, I didn't have like a convention in that week, but I had one coming in the next week. I knew it was going to be a crazy time, but I knew it would be worth it. And so as Lori took me through the tent, explained where this would be that, I, I could kind of see it, but didn't really fully grasp it. A few days later, I, I came you know, for my first shift. Help turn the backstage uh, area between the, the designers and, and the different runway shows. It, it, was, it was like a little surreal to be standing back there as, as showtime would approach. It was like organized chaos. And one after another, these, these sets would get banged out. And my recollections are, are many, but the first one being uh, the amount of work <laughs> that it took both the day of and leading up to these shows. Like, you can't even imagine. They definitely rocked it out. And so uh, I remember my first show, I'm, I'm backstage as people are like scurrying around, working off each other. And throughout this, there's beautiful models getting ready. And honestly, it's like nudity is commonplace. And it's kind of funny how nudity in that context is really not, how do I say it? It's not sexual, right? It's, it's like, it's it's more artsy. But I do remember this one stagehand telling me, like, <laughs> before I had my first sort of walk back there, he's like, he goes, just make sure you don't stare. And not that I would have, but I can understand how sometimes you wouldn't consciously be doing it or whatever. So I kept that in my head and I didn't get flagged for any penalties. 
was this designer at the time. He was kind of like the golden boy. His name was Zach Posen. And I remember standing back there as uh, his whole team gets together and the models go out and do their walk around. And uh, as, as they're doing their thing, he's standing there with Puff Daddy or, or P. Diddy. I'm not sure what he was at the time. And they're just talking about this and that, obviously fashion stuff. And I'm, I'm like, where am I? Who am I? <laughs> And then they went out for their uh, traditional end-of-the-show bow, and uh, boom, it was over. I will say, well, another, oh, another designer uh, who I hadn't heard of uh, prior, and quite honestly, I haven't heard of probably 99% of the designers. I really wasn't of that world. But this one particular designer, her name was Betsy Johnson. And so Betsy, I imagine mid mid to late 60s or so and you never met someone so full of life and she just sort of lit up the whole backstage when she came in she's checking on her models checking on her dresses checking on her bikinis and what have you i mean she was larger than life at one point prior to like the show i would have to go outside and sort of assist with uh, getting people seated, making sure, uh, you know, get the right people in the right place and all that good stuff, uh, really whatever needed to be done. So I'm standing there and this gentleman comes, approaches me and I, again, I don't know this world, but I just happened to know him. Before he could reach me, I said, Mr. Gunn, welcome. <laughs> Tim Gunn, he was big in the fashion world. Uh, he hosted the uh, Project Runway. And so um, I, I, I offered to bring him down to a deserving seat. And, you know, he said, no, no, I'm fine up here. And we made some small talk. And Alex and we both were to see the Betty show. And again, I, I got done with that. And I'm like, well, who am I? I'm not even pretending to be someone who I'm not. I'm just pretending to exist in a world that I really... I've only seen in magazines and movies, you know? I guess, like, so So Tim Gunn sits down, and then everyone else gets down, and then the, 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 the cameramen are crunched into their little two-by-two two taped-off boxes at the end of the runway, and the light goes down, the music comes up, the show begins, and I will say that her show was probably uh, the most memorable one. It was sort of like a, you know, I don't know, she had like, a, like an 80s, prom look thing going on with bright colors and then can't forget this at the end uh there was like four models that kind of came out they were dressed patriotic like the flags and it wasn't a dress maybe it was like like a shirt and a skirt or something but also at that time right we were on the verge of an election coming up in 2008 so as they took their shirts off they had these signs hanging off their backs, and across the four of them, it spelled V-O-T-E. Vote, vote, vote. Uh, that ended the show uh, with a bang, and I can honestly tell you it was the most awesome experience uh, in the world. I am super grateful to Miss Laurie and LDJ Productions. Literally, I would work all day. I'd go over there at night, come back, work day, go there. The by the time I got, by the time that week was over, as exhilarating as it was, I was spent. And as I remember it, I wasn't too spent to go home and play with you. Uh, anyway, all right, uh, peace out. I will talk to you soon. It's over, it's over again.
Music in this episode is courtesy of Epidemic Sound and Blue Dot Sessions. A special thanks goes out to Real Love Diplomats for providing the soundtrack to Don't Call It a Memoir. At the end of the line.